You're about to listen to a message by Pastor Ogi Ogui, the lead pastor of Circle Church International. He envisions all men living Christ-centered lives. Be blessed as you listen. All right. Um, okay. That Genesis 49. Genesis 49. <laughs> What's happening is that I have so many things to say. And then the Holy Spirit just keeps telling me things to say to you guys. And then I'm like, what's the time? Before, before we do Genesis 49. Listen. Nothing supernatural ever happened to a person who is not old. I listen to what I'm saying. Nothing supernatural, nothing supernatural ever happens to a person who isn't bold, who isn't willing to step out in faith. You see, you might laugh at Peter as the guy who tried to walk on water but he drowned. But you realize that there were other there were twelve disciples. And while he was the guy who tried to walk on water and drowned, he was the only one who did walk on water. Like Jesus did. Do you understand? It's boldness. Jesus says, don't be afraid, it is me. And then Peter says, master, if it is you, bid me come. Jesus said, come. Any of the disciples could have said, he said, come back, let's go. But Peter was the one who took that step out of the boat and into the water. And he walked. Even though he walked a few minutes and then saw that, well, this thing is not real, like... (laughs) Like I don't know what's happening right here, so I'm 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 going back. And he realized that nah, I can't go back. I'm kind of like drowning. Even though that's what happened, he actually did walk. You have many Christians every year, year in, year out. God, I want to walk in the miraculous. I want to be more supernatural. I want to be more this. I want to be more that. But they never step out in boldness. They never step out in faith. And guess what? They would never see themselves walking in the supernatural. Listen, you can have somebody who has been saved for 30 years and has never healed a sick person in his life. And guess why he has never done that? He was not bold enough. And you have somebody who was saved yesterday and healed a sick person today. Guess why? He was bold. Archbishop Bethany Dahosa read in the Bible, saw that Jesus raised dead people. He went to his pastor, said, Pastor, is it true? Pastor said, Yes. Have you done it before? Pastor said, No. He said, Okay. He went out. Said, Looking for dead people. It was just boldness. It was boldness. I mean, think about the fact that Peter and John, they stood before that guy at the beautiful gate. The guy was begging for money. And Peter says, Look at me. Guy, look at me. Focus. And then the guy focuses and then Peter says, I'm broke. I really don't have money. Because that's what he said. Silver or gold have I none. Such as I have, give I unto thee. He says, I'm broke. I really don't have any money. But I have something to give you. Listen, do you think that when Peter was saying that thought of what if it doesn't work? Did not occur? There's always that fear. Kenneth Higgins says it like this. He says, do it with your head and faith in your heart matter the doubt doesn't matter faith is not the absence of doubts faith is the, is the suppression of doubts that 
although there's doubt somewhere in my heart I will suppress that doubt and I will do it nonetheless I will do it afraid are you listening to what I'm saying you've got to learn to be bold you've got to learn to be bold if you are to see anything miraculous happen in your life you've got to learn to be bold praise the Lord Listen, I would rather pastor a church where they have a lot of people walking the miraculous, but they don't really have revelation knowledge like that. It's my job to teach them. Than pastor a church that have all the Greek and Hebrew, but there's no supernatural. Don't be complacent. Don't come to a place where you are satisfied with not seeing the supernatural in your life. It's who you are as a Christian. The supernatural is your lifestyle. Are you listening to what I'm saying? So be bold. You were praying, you heard some words in the place of prayer, be bold. Hello, while I was praying, God told me so and so about you. Is that correct? What's the worst that can happen? If you are wrong, what's the worst that can happen? Will they slap you? So now that you've told me and it's not right, I have to beat you. Will they do that? So go ahead, be bold. Are you listening to what I'm saying? I mean, you meet a sick person and you want to pray for the person. You're asking, what if he doesn't get healed? What's the worst that can happen? You know, I say, so now that you prayed for me and I wasn't healed, I'm going to call my boys for you because like, what? Or you walk up to him and say, can I pray for him? And the guy says, no. He wants to be healed. Are you listening to what I'm saying? Be bold. Step out in faith. Pray for that sick person. Pray for your sick mom. Pray for your sick dad. Keep praying. Keep praying. Be bold. Step out in faith. Be bold. Nothing, nothing supernatural ever happens to a person who is timid. Nothing supernatural ever happens to a person who is timid. And God doesn't care whether you are shy. He doesn't know what I'm saying. He doesn't care. Be bold. God hasn't given you a spirit of fear, but He has given you a spirit of what? He has given you a spirit of power. You step out there with that power. Are you listening to what I'm saying? There's power. Be bold. Listen, those people that you hear saying things that they will just come out, stand and be calling people's phone numbers. Or they'll be giving words of knowledge here and there. They know what's happening to this person by this time. You think they just started? No. They didn't just start to. There was a day they walked up to somebody and said, I'm seeing somebody, I think your sister's name is Mary. And the person says, I don't even have a sister. <laughs> you say, Sorry. I got it wrong. And you walk away and you do it for the next person. And guess what? You will get better at doing it. Is that true? Yeah, you get better at doing it. And before you know what's going on, you stand up, you call people to say, ah, this man, he sees it, the spirit. He, he has practiced. He's bold. But those people who will say, what if I'm wrong? They will never ever get to that place where they are bold enough and they are proficient enough with the things of the spirit. Listen, everything of every spiritual thing, healing, no tongues and interpretation, prophecy, takes just two things. Boldness and faith. Or faith in boldness. Or boldness in faith. However you want to arrange it. Boldness and faith. 
And faith is in the nature of God. When you want to pray for a sick person, faith is asking yourself, does God want this guy to be healed? If your answer is yes, you have no doubts. Even if you are hearing, what if, what if, you know, I had to teach myself to do this. When somebody asks me, what if it doesn't work? I respond with, what if it does? It's a 50-50 opportunity. So why are you choosing to see that it won't work? It's like your choice. Do you understand? So what if I pray for him and he's not healed? What if you pray for him and he's healed? Have you thought about that? Be bold, okay? Alright, Genesis 49. Genesis 49. It says, The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet until tribute comes to him. Oh. Okay. Until tribute comes to him, and to him shall the obedience of the peoples be. Um, the KJV says, until Shiloh comes. Alright, how many of you are reading the KJV? You have until Shiloh comes. This translation just made it weird a little bit. Okay, so he says, until Shiloh come, and unto him shall the gathering of the people be. You know this line now. And unto him shall the gathering of the people be. We are gathered together unto You know the song, right? The glory, Father. <laughs> yeah, so he says, until Shiloh come, and unto him shall the gathering of the people be. You see, this word Shiloh is an epithet of the Messiah. So it's a word that people, it was a word the way they used several times in the Old Testament to refer to the Messiah. Okay? Okay? So when he says, until Shiloh come, he was talking about, until the Messiah comes. Alright? And how you would know is because he says, until Shiloh come and unto him... So Shiloh is in him, right? Until Shiloh comes and unto him shall the gathering of the people be. So, um, this was a prophecy for the church. Praise the Lord. Alright, today's... I'm so sorry. Today's teaching, we're going to discuss what happens when we gather. What do we do? When we gather, what do we do? Unplug that thing. I think that's where the static is coming from. Apparently not. All right. What do we do when we gather as a church? I said here, you have a prophecy in the Old Testament about the Messiah. And not just the Messiah, but what will happen when he comes. The Bible talks about when he comes, the people will gather to him. That gathering is what we know as the church. You must first of all understand that we as individuals are the church and collectively we are the church. Do you understand what I'm saying? Okay, so Matthew chapter 16 verse 16 to 18. Matthew chapter 16 verse 16 to 18. He says, and Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Next verse. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Bar-Jonah. This means Simon, son of Jonah. Simon Bar-Jonah. 
For flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. Next verse. He now says to him, And I say unto thee, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. Mm. Upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Alright, let me just clarify a few things. When many times when we read this, uh, when we read this portion of scripture, a lot of doctrines have been founded in this scripture, and the major of which is, Thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and, (laughs) Thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and people have said this rock refers to Peter. So it's upon Peter that the church is built. How many of you have heard that before? And so they say Peter was the first pope of the church. He was the first leader of the church. I understand why they would think that, but it's wrong. It's wrong, um, trans- not translation, wrong interpretation of scripture. Go to the previous verse. He says, And Jesus answered unto him, saying, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed it unto you, but my Father which is in heaven. Next verse. He now says, and I say unto thee, thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. The problem is that when people read this, they read, I say unto thee, thou art Peter, and upon this rock, Peter, I will build my church. But what Jesus was actually saying was, I say unto you, you, Peter, upon this rock I will build my church. There's a difference. So, let me rephrase it and make it more relatable to you. What Jesus was saying was, I'm saying to you, you, Peter, upon this rock I will build my church. The difference is, he was telling Peter, when he says, thou art Peter, he was saying you, talking to you, Peter, upon this rock, that's upon what you said before, I will build my church. Do you follow? Raise your hand if you, if you understand. Raise your hand if you don't understand. Raise your hand if you don't know if you understand. Alright, okay um, He says, I say unto thee, thou art Peter And upon this rock I will build my church And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it Simply what he was saying there is I'm talking to you Peter Upon this rock I will build my church And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it The problem is those first two lines I say unto thee, thou art Peter Do you get? You know what that whole statement just simply means I'm talking to you Peter Alright, I tell you, you are Peter Okay, so, yes, like I said. I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. He was talking, he was saying, I'm talking to you, Peter, on this rock. So, based on what you said before, Peter, I will build my church. But that's not even the teaching for today, so I don't want to spend so much time. (laughs) The point is, he was talking about building his church. Alright? So, this signifies possession. Something that Christ owns. My church. The Greek word for church is the word ecclesia. Ecclesia. Why do we quote the Greek? I've explained that to you before, right? Why I keep saying the Greek word. Because the New Testament was written in Greek. And so many times to get the proper... Because now when we say church, everybody thinks of a gathering on Sunday morning where people come and worship, right? Right? But when the word church was used, when Christ used the word church, he had something else in mind. And so, um, 
the translators translated what Christ had in mind, but over time that word has been changed into another use. Do you understand what I'm saying? So the Greek word for church is ecclesia, and it means called out ones. That is people who are called out, set apart for a purpose. Alright? And so um, when he says, I will build my church, he was talking about how he will build his own called out ones. That means he will set up the people, he will call out a group of people. Praise the Lord. Don't worry, I promise you get more interesting than this. So, um, so I said, there are many called out ones. I mean, um, okay, let's not go into that because there's no time. There are many called out ones. In, um, in Acts chapter 7 verse 38, we, we have examples, or we have examples of where that word is used. Acts 7.38. So it says, this is the congregation who was, this is the one who was in the congregation in the wilderness with the angel who spoke to him at Mount Sinai. And with, and with our fathers, he received living oracles to give to us. This word congregation is actually the word ecclesia. Do you understand? That word congregation is actually the word, word ecclesia. So he was talking about the congregation in the wilderness, the ones who were called out of Egypt. Alright? Um, Acts chapter 5, verse 36 to 37. This is very interesting. You, you have people who were called out for other people. So you have, for, um, for before those days, that guy rose up claiming to be somebody. And a number of men, about 400, joined him. So he had his own disciples, his own church, so to speak. A number of men joined him. He was killed, and all who followed him were dispersed and came to nothing. Alright? Then the next verse says, After him, Judas the Galilean rose up in the days of the census and drew away some of the people after him. He too perished, and all who followed him were scattered. So what I'm just trying to establish so far is that in the scripture, in the Bible, many times the idea of church was communicated, not just for Christ, but in several places, you had the Israelites called out of Egypt. You had people who followed Thudas. You have Thudas. You had people who followed Judas the Galilean. You had people who were following people everywhere. And this gives you an idea that was implemented today. The Christian church is a specific society. What I'm saying is, not everybody that gathers on a Sunday morning is a member of the Christian church. Do you understand? Do you understand? Great. So, you realize that we have specific guidelines, specific things that we must agree on for us to be called to the church. For me to agree or to admit that, oh, you're a member of the body of Christ, there you have a specific set of things that you must believe to. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Alright, so... um. And this is important because we live in an age and time where it's very easy to blur the lines. It's very easy to not see it. It's very easy to not know. Alright? So they come out, they, they, they call Jesus Christ in their songs. Even in the teaching, Jesus is mentioned. But what is said about him is different. Praise the Lord. Alright, so this is my church. I'm the pastor of this church. So, I'm going to speak freely. Can I speak freely? Great. So, for example, you have a group like the Jehovah's Witness. Are they a church? Are they a Christian church? 
The answer to that question will be no. Why? First Corinthians chapter 15. First Corinthians chapter 15. V- verse 1. Sorry. So he says, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and upon which... Um, next verse. And by which you, you have been saved. If you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. Next verse. He now says, For I delivered to you, as of first importance, what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with scriptures. Next verse. That he was buried and he was raised on the third day in accordance with scriptures. Hold on. This statement that he was raised on the third day is the pivot. It's it's the most important tenet of your Christian faith. Do you understand? In fact, if you go forward in this same chapter, Paul says that if Christ be not raised from the dead, we are of all men most miserable and our faith is for nothing. Here's why. Romans chapter 1 verse 4. Listen, go back to verse, let's start from verse 2. He says, which he promised through, which he promised, okay, verse 1 says, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ according to um, the gospel, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. Next verse. He now says, concerning his son, who was descended from David according to the flesh. Next verse. Of course, you know who he's talking about when he said concerning his son, right? Who's he talking about? Chorus is who's he talking about? Great. He says, and was declared to be how did we get here? I thought we were in verse three. Okay, go back to verse three, sorry. Said <laughs> so concerning his son Jesus, who was descended from David according to the flesh. Next verse. And he says, And was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the spirit of re- of holiness. Read this line by his resurrection from the dead. Jesus Christ our Lord. So Jesus Christ our Lord was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the Spirit of Holiness. How? By his resurrection from the dead. His resurrection is the proof of his sonship. Do you understand? We know Jesus is the Son of God because he came back from the dead. Do you understand that? So anybody who debates the sonship of Jesus Christ is is invariably telling you he did not come back from the dead. And at such does not believe what you believe. And of course, you know, when we say Jesus is the son of God, this statement is a statement that deifies Jesus. It equates him to God. Listen, when Jesus called himself the Son of God, the Israelites picked up stones to stone him. You know why? They said, because you being a mere man, you've made yourself equal to God. Is that true? Great. So, when we say he is the Son of God, what we actually mean is that he is God. So, anybody who says he is not the Son of God doesn't believe Jesus is God. He doesn't believe what you believe. Praise the Lord. So are they a church? No, you can't call them a church. Not in good faith. Praise the Lord. I know that's very hurtful. But it is what it is. Mormons, the same thing. They don't believe Jesus was the Son of God. In fact, in theology, these people are referred to as Christian cults. It's actually a theological term. Christian cults. That is a group of people who carry out Christian practices but don't have the Christian faith. They don't have the same faith with you. 
And when you read scriptures like 1 Corinthians 15 and this scripture, you realize the amount of work that we have to do as a church. Because think about it. If the entire body of Jehovah's Witness don't believe in the basics of the gospel, where does that leave them? See that we have work to do. So you must define the church. You must define the church. You must be very careful to know this is what we believe. This is what we say we are. Praise the Lord. That's, that's just introduction to. So I define the church as called out ones. First Peter 2 9. It's like this screen is making you guys lazy. I just call the scripture. Everybody turns this way. Like you guys never open your Bibles anymore. First Peter 2 9. It says, But you are a chosen race, a holy priesthood, a holy a royal priesthood, rather, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light so how are we christ's called out ones or what were we called out from we were called out of what darkness into his marvelous light this is why we are christ's church we've been called out of darkness what does it mean by darkness the world the world system sin we've been separated do you get that now we've been separated sorry did he crack? Glory. <laughs> we've been separated from the world. We've been separated from darkness. And we've been brought into his marvelous light. Alright. But um, So this teaching is actually what do we do in church when we gather. So now that we've established what the church is and who the church is and how we're members of the church. And um, we've talked about how we're a family. Alright. How what Christ died for is to bring us into a family. We've talked about how this family is a family of training, how part of God's plan is you are saved and you are trained. Alright? We've talked about that, we talked about that last week. So then we'll talk about what we do in church. So firstly, we must first of all realize that the gathering of saints, when we gather like this, is a holy gathering and must be treated as such. Praise the Lord. The gathering of saints is a holy gathering and must be treated as such. Let's look at First Corinthians chapter eleven, verse nineteen. First Corinthians eleven nineteen. Go back two verses, please. Hmm. Look at this. It says, "But in in the following instructions, we read this two Sundays ago, right? When we talked about communion, do you remember?" He says, but in the following instructions, I do not commend you because you come together and it is not for the better, but for the worse. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. It is possible to gather as a church for the worse. Amen. You must realize that, oh, people say there's a blessing in coming to church. There is. But the blessing is not just in coming to church, but what is done in church. It is possible to gather for the worse. Praise the Lord. Have you, did you see that? You come together, it is not for the better, but for the worse. And then he went on to talk about how some people eat and are drunk and others are hungry. They don't discern the Lord's body. They don't treat the Lord's body as holy. 
The gathering of saints is a holy gathering. It's an important and reverent gathering. You must treat it that way. Praise the Lord. Look at this. 1 Timothy chapter 3 verse 15. 1 Timothy, 1 Timothy 3.15 He says 3.15 He says If I delay You may know how one ought to behave In the household of God Which is the church of the living God A pillar You know we'll go back to verse 14 Let's start from the beginning of the statement He says I hope to come to you soon But I am writing these things to you So that if I delay Go back Next verse. So that if I delay, you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God. Paul wrote the entire letter of First Timothy to tell Timothy one thing. This is how you should behave in the household of God. Praise the Lord. There's a proper way to behave. Look at look at First Corinthians eleven seventeen. Okay, I've talked. We've gone there. We've gone there. No, no, no need. There's a proper way to behave. There's a proper way to behave when we gather. Lord, listen, if you truly believe that what we are doing now is what Christ died for, or part of what he died for, then you behave accordingly. Is that correct? There's a proper way to behave. And you can be irreverent. You can insult the Lord's body. I taught you last week, first, um, Ephesians chapter 4 verse 16, I taught you that the body of Christ grows by that which every joint supplies. Is that true? So your growth affects the body. Your lack of growth affects the body. When you come to church and during sermon, during worship, during prayers, you're pressing your phone. You are insulting the Lord's body. Do you understand? You are insulting the Lord's body. Your Niger. What are you doing? You're insulting the Lord's body. It's not it's not just um oh it's my life now. It's my father's house. That's what a lot of people say. I can do whatever I like. My father's house there's freedom, there's liberty. So you bring out you see somebody you're on IG. All through the service, you're scrolling through. When you're done scrolling through and you're bored or your data has finished, you switch off the phone and sleep. You're insulting the Lord's body. It is wrong. Praise the Lord. It is wrong. Don't do that. You come into church. The usher says, sit here. You eye the usher from head to toe. Back up. And go where you want to go and sit down. You have insulted the Lord's body. Are you listening to what I'm saying? You've insulted the Lord's body. The preacher is preaching. You are at the back. You are talking. Any, you are talk- Have you seen people who... It's like in the middle of service. That's when the gist is sweet. They are talking fire. You are insulting the Lord's body. It is wrong. Stop it. Not Don't stop because the usher will catch you and say stand up. You're not in secondary school. You're not a kid. And even if you're, you're not a kid. But you stop because you realize we are gathered together. This gathering is a holy assembly. 
And so, I will treat it as, as such. Praise the Lord. And it tells from how you prepare for church. I think this is what I'm saying. It tells from how you prepare for church. Some of you, you know it's Sunday tomorrow and service is 10 a.m. Then you decide that there's this wonderful series that you want to watch till 4 a.m. Then you come to church and be nodding like a lizard. Stop it. Maybe stop it. It's service tomorrow. It's Sunday. <laughs> it's wrong. Sleep early. Get ready for service. Do you get what I'm saying? Prepare your mind for it. I'm going to church tomorrow morning. Service is for 10 o'clock. I'm going to be there by 10. I'm going to be there early. And I'm going to assist in what way I can assist. I'm going there to, ed- to be a blessing and to be blessed. The problem is that you don't realize that God did not intend for you to come to church to be blessed alone. He intended for you to come to church to both be a blessing and to be blessed. Many people, they are just waiting for oh God. I've been to many churches. Throughout the service, they are gisting. What the man of God said, they did not hear. The man of God there says, lift up your hands. <laughs> you are blessed. Amen. That's all they came for. That part of the service. Pastor, I don't know why my life, my spiritual life is not really growing. You're not serious. It's the truth. You're not serious. How you prepare for church shows how you respect the church. I listen to what I'm saying. Don't listen. It goes to the little things. Don't come to church. Then they now say, give offering. You know? Okay. You know there's a way you can know how much is in your pocket? <laughs> By just tapping your shirt. Like, okay. Okay. Bring out something. Squeeze it. And don't do that. From whom? Purpose in your heart. Alright, when I get to church, I'm going to give this amount. I'm giving this. I'm giving this. It's for church. That's how to be a Christian, a proper person that is using sense. <laughs> I understand what I'm saying. You've got to be reverent about the body of Christ. You are going for a meeting. It's a Christian gathering. Don't go there late. Don't do that. Wake up early. Let it be that the only reason you got there late was that some factors affected your coming. Traffic was on the road. Eh, eh, we can understand. But don't... Some of you, services by... Services by 9. You wake up by 8.45. Because you are what? <laughs> because you are what? Some people, the program starts by 10 o'clock. They leave the house by 10 o'clock. In Lagos. What are you thinking? Then when they enter, it's like, they will not bend. <laughs> Behave yourself. Learn to behave yourself. Praise the Lord. Learn to behave yourself. And please, if you come late, stand straight. And walk to your seat. Because it's distracting when you're not doing like this. Is, there, is anybody here? <laughs> Everybody will not be looking at you like, what's wrong with that guy? So you must realize that the body of Christ is a holy gathering. Treat it as such. If you will not 
I want to use this example, but I know some people don't have sense. So, if you will not stand your, if you will not keep your boyfriend or your girlfriend waiting, that, now this is the thing some people do. <laughs> and I don't know why you would do that. Don't keep the church waiting. Come to church early. He's in, see, it's part of your growth. Listen, let me tell you. You can condition your mind to be blessed in a service. I think this is what I'm saying. You can condition your mind. If that morning you wake up and you're like, okay, I'm going to be blessed in today's service. I have to be in church early because there's a blessing there for me. Subconsciously, you just start getting hyped about the service. Like, hmm, something good is really going to happen in today's service. You get to the service, you're more attentive. You've conditioned your mind. But if you wake up that morning and then you're like, Hi, I'll go to work Monday to Friday. Then I'll not go to church on Sunday. Anyway, let me just go because then you just carry yourself to church. You come to church, you sit down. Everything will irritate you. Pastor says, stand up. You say, why? Why stand up? Pastor, why? And listen, don't make it a habit to skip church. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 25. Hebrews 10 25. He says, not neglect, let's start from 24. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. We're going to come back to this. Next verse. He says, not neglecting to meet together. Did you see that? This is an instruction. Do not neglect to meet together. He says, as is the habit of, of some. But encouraging one another and all the more as you did as you see the day drawing near. This day he's talking about is the final day, the last day, the day of judgment. As you see the day drawing near. He says we should not neglect to meet one another. Don't make it a habit to miss church service. Are you listening to what I'm saying? I don't care what your excuse is. Don't make it a habit to miss church, church service. Sometimes it is inevitable. But let it be as minimal as possible. I'm talking about emergency kinds of situations. Why didn't you go to church? I didn't really have anything to wear. They're not serious. They're not very serious. I've heard that before. Here. (laughs) Why didn't you come to church on Sunday? Well, the thing is I wanted to come. I even had my transport money ready. But when I woke up that morning, there was nothing to wear. So you stayed in the house. Some people, the lie you tell yourself is that maybe they used to stream the service online. Just watch it. It's a lie. You will not watch it. Amen. You watch 10 minutes and sleep off. Is that true? Don't neglect to come to church. It is wrong. Praise the Lord. It is wrong. Listen, Pastor, that said something when she was leading the charge. She said two things the devil will attack. He will first of all attack your prayer study your prayer and study life, and he will attack fellowship. Once he can get you on those two paths, he has gotten you. Forget it. Just know that he has gotten you. Show me a person who skips church, and I will show you somebody who one year from now would have vaccinated. is mathematics. It happens like that all the time. Show me a person who skips fellowship, and I will show you somebody who a few months, one year from now, 
you'll be asking, is this guy still a Christian? Like, guy, you good? <laughs> because by the time you stay away from fellowship, see, go back to the, next, the previous verse. Look at this. He says, let us consider how to stir up one another to good works. Do you understand that? I stir you up. You stir me up. When you come to church, and then somebody starts saying, oh, the Holy Spirit has been laying it on my heart to go on so, so fast. Or so, so. You heard it, and then you feel like I should join. Can I join you? That wouldn't have happened if you were in your house. Is that true? You stir the person up. I stir you up to good works. You stir me up to good works. Praise the Lord. Some of you, you just saw somebody healed now. It stirred you up. I should pray for somebody else, you know? But you just stay inside your house. You'll be watching TBM. And you think you're going to church. It's a lie. Listen, make no mistakes. I believe that it's possible for messages to bless you. That's why we put them up on the website. In fact, that's the entire reason we have a website. So that we can put messages there. Really. I believe it's, it's, it's possible for messages to bless you, but messages must never take the place of fellowship. Praise the Lord. Listen, you live in a noisy world. Do you know? I'm not talking about noisy now physically. So many things are competing for your attention. There's so much. Nelson, I went for Nelson's meeting yes, and this is how Nelson put it. He said, There's so much carnality in the air. It's like it just rests on your spirit. And it's very true. It is true. Many of you, many of you never consciously realized until one day you caught yourself using the F word and you're like, when did I learn this? Is that true? They're like, when did I start saying this? It's just flying up and down. And you're just walking inside the world like, listen, you need those moments of, of fresh air. And you get that in fellowship. When you hold hands with believers and you pray, your spirit is revitalized. It's better for you. Praise the Lord. Sunday service, you will not come. Wednesday service, you will not come. Okay, let's pray a meeting, you will not come. Okay, let's pray online, you will not pray. <laughs> what do you want? How are you growing? Then you now meet me. Pastor, pastor. I don't know what's happening. I'm on today. I'm off tomorrow. Come to church. <laughs> don't neglect the gathering of brethren. It is wrong. Amen. Amen. It is wrong. Prepare for church like you're preparing for something important because it is important. It's not, it's not a childish thing to put out your clothes the day before. Alright, I'm wearing this and I'm wearing this. This is what I want to wear tomorrow to church. You get that ready. You call somebody, your friend, somebody that you're supposed to go to church with. Some of you, it's Sunday morning, 10 minutes to the time that you're supposed to leave home. And I call, guy, you they show church. They're like, no, why now, guy? And then you just call your friend the night before. We're going to see in church tomorrow. Should I come and pick you? Should we go together? That's how to grow. And that's how to stir somebody else to good works. The guy says, no, I don't feel like going to church. Why? Why don't you feel like going to church? Baba, we are going to church. Let's go to church. You need church. Do you know why this is important? Because the day you, you don't feel like going to church, he will call you. 
And you will say, I don't feel like it's just say you. I pray I die if you stay in your house today. That's how to stay in church. That's good works. Is that true? Don't see, don't let us be cajoling you with uh, you don't know if that day is the day the Lord will finally visit your case. Listen, it might not be. Alright? Come and listen to the word of God. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So, what do we do when we gather in church? Number one, we, are def- we keep the unity. We keep the unity. We're going to go through a couple of verses of scripture. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 3. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 3. Go to the previous verse. Previous verse. It says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Next verse. It says, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. Next verse. It says, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. You are eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 4, say chapter verse 12. Ephesians 4, 12. Um, so he gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. He says, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. Hold on, listen. Equipping the saints for the work of the ministry is building up the body of Christ. Do you understand that? Alright, next verse. He says, until we all attain to the unity of the faith, and of the knowledge of the Son of God, the unity of the faith is the knowledge of the Son of God, and that is the mature manhood, and that is the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So, till we all attain to the unity of the faith, what I just said is this. This phrase, this phrase, this phrase, this phrase, and this phrase mean the same thing. Do you understand? It's just like the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit are the same thing. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ is the love of God, which is the fellowship of the Spirit. Alright? Okay, so, until we all attain to the unity of the faith, and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to the mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Next verse. It says, being no longer like children, tossed to and fro by every wind, every wave, and carried about every wind of doctrine, by um, human cunning, and by craftiness of um, craftiness in the sinful skin. So why do we gather? We are gathering to maintain the unity. That knowledge of the Son of God. Do you understand this? We gather to maintain that unity. Listen, the unity of the faith does not mean that Catholics and Anglicans now decide that, you know what, let's agree to disagree. We are all brothers. No, that's not what it means. What the unity of the faith means is that what I know is what you know. It's the same thing you know. It's the same thing we all know. If you are stopped here and you are asked the question and I am stopped in Ikorodu and I am asked the same question we would say exactly the same thing we might word it in different ways but the idea, the concept will be the same this is what I am saying, it will be the same and we will place emphasis on the same thing now we are getting to the unity of the faith praise the Lord so why do we gather? We gather to keep the unity. Listen, verse 14, this is what happens when we don't keep the unity. It says, so that we may, we may no longer be children. So if we don't keep the unity, we will be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried, ab- carried about by every wind of doctrine. Have you met people like this? You know why they are like this? 
They don't go to church. And that's the truth. They don't go to church. Think about it. Is that they don't go to church or they don't listen to their pastor? Because you have three kinds of people. You have people who go to a good church and know the right stuff. You have people who go to a not so good church where, where the gospel is not properly taught. But they know what they are taught and they stick to it. Then you have those ones in the middle. These people. Children. They are bouncing in between. Today you tell them this, that's where they are. Tomorrow this, that's where they are. Next tomorrow this, that's where they are. Because they don't listen. Are you listening to what I'm saying? Sit down, listen. Some people... Listen, I love Michael Todd. How many of you know Michael Todd? He's an awesome guy. Some people will finish listening to their pastor. Pastor was talking, just looking at him. Then they will go and be listening to Michael Todd. They don't know what he's talking about. They just like the fact that he smiles nice and, you know, he's good. He's good looking. And that's it. What did he say? I don't know. There are people like that. Ah, can I take in my spiritual father? Can I take in my spiritual father? Okay, what does Kenneth Hagin say about this? I don't know. What did Kenneth Hagin say about this? I don't know. What did Kenneth Hagin say about this? So how is your spiritual father? What are you doing? Tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. And that's terrible. Some people, spiritual father is by popularity. Ah, spiritual father, somebody said that you are so-so person's mentor. I said, eh, I'm her mentor. I never knew. I did not know. Somebody, who, you, you are suddenly somebody's spiritual father and you don't know. What, what the person doesn't know anything you you know. He does not agree with you on any subject, but you are a spiritual father because you are popular. He's wrong. Don't be like that. Sit in church. Let your head come down. Listen, learn, write. Number two, why do we gather? We gather to be edified. Or we gather to edify and be edified. We gather to edify and be edified. We gather to edify and be edified. First Corinthians fourteen twenty six. First Corinthians fourteen twenty six. He says, What then, brothers, when you come together? He says, Each one has a hymn, each one has a doctrine. That's what the KG says there. Each one has a hymn, each one has a doctrine. And I think doctrine is a better use of words than lesson. Exactly. Each one hath a psalm, a hymn. Each one hath a doctrine. Each one hath a tongue, hath a revelation, hath an interpretation. But he says, everybody read this line. Let all things be done unto a divine. So the point of what I'm doing now, the point of the prayer we prayed, the point of the time of worship is a divine. Do you understand? The Greek word for the word edify is oikodomio. Oikodomio, yes. Oikodomio, and it means to build up. Do you understand? To build up. You know that scripture that says, building up yourselves on your most holy face. That's the word edify. It connotes like building a structure. You lay it brick by brick. Do you get what I'm saying? Brick by brick, block by block, you are laying it until that building is strong and is grown. So, you come to church, you are an infant, you are a child, you don't know anything about the word of God. Then we start laying things, brick by brick. Today you learn about tongues, tomorrow about interpretation. One day you are now giving tongues and interpretation. Somebody comes up to you, he gives you a word of prophecy. 
gives you a word of knowledge. You give somebody a word of knowledge, brick by brick. You are growing. You are growing. Till we come to the unity of the faith. The mature stature. Do you understand what I'm saying? Brick by brick. If we come to edify. Alright, so how do we edify in church? Or how do we edify and be edified in church? In First Corinthians 14, 26, you have a couple of... Um, you have a recipe. He says, Psalms. He says, Psalms. What is a psalm? A psalm is a hymn. A set of words put together. Alright? Usually to tell about the goodness of God. Other times in a way of prophecy. It's like a song. Alright? And its major emphasis is for edification. I listen to what I'm saying. I think when we do um, when we do a series on spirituals, we'll talk about psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs more elaborately. Alright? So we have psalms. Alright, so you have First Corinthians fourteen twenty-six. Um, I'm going to give you a couple of scriptures where this is referenced. First Corinthians fourteen twenty-six, Ephesians five, eighteen to nineteen, Colossians three sixteen. First Corinthians fourteen twenty-six is what we just read. Ephesians five, eighteen to nineteen says, Be not drunk with wine is excess, but he says, Be being filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Alright? That's Ephesians five, eighteen to nineteen. And then Colossians 3.16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell richly in you. Um, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Singing with grace in your heart to the Lord. Alright, so that's for psalms. Number two, you have teaching and doctrine. How do we edify one another in church? Teaching and doctrine. Teaching and doctrine. Of course, First Corinthians 14.26 is our anchor verse. For all of this. So it will appear almost everywhere. First Corinthians 14.26 says. Um, How is that which of you? Each one has a psalm. Each one has a doctrine. Teaching and doctrine. You also have 2 Timothy 3.16. All scripture is given by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And it's profitable for doctrine. Why do? How do we edify one another when we gather? Am I too fast? Am I too fast? Alright, alright. Teaching and doctrine. You also have First Peter 2 2. Put on First Peter 2 2. Let's look at that one. First Peter 2 2. He says, As newborn babes, desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. How are you going to grow? By the sincere milk of the word. Praise the Lord. Some people think that spiritual growth is about seeing angels. Have you met people like that? Kenneth Hagin said, Never, ever replace the supernatural with the spectacular. The spectacular is not always supernatural. Are you listening to what I'm saying? Some people, until it is spectacular, you've not started service. Some people, their best part of service is where you thought some person should fall down, start shaking. You're like, Ah, there's power. How was service? There was, there was a power-packed service. <laughs> Did you learn anything? No. Are you growing? No. As newborn babes, he says, desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. So how are you going to grow as a Christian when the word of God is taught properly? Praise the Lord. 
This is why as a believer you must cherish any gathering, any church where emphasis is placed on the word of God. Some people don't want to hear that. Say you, all you do is scripture today, scripture tomorrow, scripture next tomorrow. In that other church, they share food after service. You will eat, you will pass the food out. And you will still remain spiritually stunted. It's the truth. You won't be growing. Except physically, you'll be getting fat. But... (laughs) Alright, also under teaching and doctrine, you have Acts 28-23. Let me see that. Acts 28-23. He says, And when they had appointed him a day, they came many unto him in his lodging, to whom he expounded and testified the kingdom of God, persuading them concerning Jesus, both out of the law of Moses and out of the prophets, from when to when, from morning till... From morning till when? From morning till when again? Two hour service. Teaching is 45 minutes. Uh, is pastor not done? What's pastor saying? Listen, this is where we came from. They came and he expounded to them the things concerning Jesus from morning till evening. That's our heritage, Joe. That's where we are coming from. Don't be a lazy student of God's word. I listen to what I'm saying. Don't be a lazy student of God's word. Paul went into a city, debated with them inside the marketplace for the space of three months. Three months. Three months. He was debating for three months. So every day, Paul will wake up, enter the market, and his duty that morning is to go and debate. And the ones who believed what he was saying, the Bible says he took them into one school of tyrannos. And he taught them ceaselessly morning and night for two years. Morning and night. Ceaselessly. For two years. Why would they not grow? Why? Why would Philip not be disappearing up and down? Why wouldn't they grow? Ceaselessly morning and night for the space of two years. You need meetings like that. The reason why we have a camp meeting, the reason why camp meeting is important in this church is because this world is too noisy. You need periods of time when you are separated and all you are seeing is you, pastor, and God. That's all. You wake up in the morning, you pray, you study, you evangelize. You pray, you study, you evangelize. Eat if you want to. Pray, study, evangelize, sleep. Repeat next day. By the time you finish, you feel clean. You feel like, yes, we are better now. That's how you grow. You hear the six hour Bible studies. What are they studying? What are they? I heard the preacher say that any teaching that is more than two hours is heresy. <laughs> Hello, yeah. <laughs> Any teaching, anybody that's teaching for more than two hours is teaching heresy. I say, hey, <laughs> you haven't met Paul. <laughs> Paul was preaching. He preached the whole day, preached into the night. This young man was tired and he slept and fell and died. Paul did not say, okay, let's, let's despair. I know you guys are tired. No. He went downstairs, woke the guy up, brought him back up, and continued his teaching. 
He continued his teaching. Last time they tell the guy, don't sit at the window again. <laughs> Number three, how do we edify and how are we edified? Tongues interpretation. Alright, tongues interpretation and prophecy. Tongues interpretation and prophecy. I won't spend too much time on this because this is hardly the series for it. So the scriptures are 1 Corinthians 14.5 and 1 Corinthians 14.26. The next one is Revelation. Revelation. What is the difference between a word of knowledge and a prophecy? Very simple. A word of knowledge is supernatural insights into activities by the Spirit. So, um, I can tell, oh, you have a sister, so and so is happening to your sister. That's a word of knowledge. I can tell, oh, um, um, I can tell that, oh, this happened to you. That's a word of knowledge. I can tell this and this and this. You're about to make so and so decision. That's a word of knowledge. Alright? But a prophecy is divine utterance. So basically, a prophecy is usually um, an unfolding of a plan or a leading, a direction. Do you understand what I'm saying? And this is why prophecy is very important. Listen, as a Christian, you must learn to guide your life by prophecy. Are you listening to what I'm saying? You must learn to guide your life by prophecy. You must learn to speak in tongues, interpret, guide your life by prophecy. And that's why it's good to, to come for meetings like this. So you come for a meeting and something that you have been battling with in your mind, it has been an idea in your head. Somebody calls you and says, this is what God is telling me about your future. You're going to do this, 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 this. And suddenly, those ideas that have been conflicting just straighten out. You guide your life by prophecy. Do you get what I'm saying? And Revelation 2, a word of knowledge, a word of wisdom. What is a word of wisdom? A word of wisdom is usually an instruction on what to do in certain situations. A word of wisdom, a word of knowledge will come. Guide your life that way. That's why we gather. Are you listening to what I'm saying? That's why we gather. So don't miss out on things like that. Not that you will now... <laughs> you didn't come to church. You now heard that pastor laid hands on people. You now say, Aish, I missed. Now come as a pastor. I heard that you laid hands on people. On Wednesday, you will lay hands on me when I come home. Then that Wednesday, you will now come 20 minutes to the end of service. So the pastor will lay hands. What are you doing? What are you doing? <laughs> Number five. Ah. How do we, how are we, or how do we edify and how are we edified in church? Number five, prayer. 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 God knows I want to spend time on prayer, but there's not so much time. So I'm just going to give you all the scriptures that we're supposed to read through. Acts chapter 6 verse 4. Acts 6, 4. Acts 12, 5. Acts 6 4, Acts 12 5, Acts 9 11, Acts 6 4, Acts 12 5, Acts 9 11, Romans 12 12, Ephesians 1 16, 
So you have Romans 12, 12, Ephesians 1, 16, Philippians 1, 4, Colossians 1, 9, then Colossians 4, 2, and 4, 12. So from the beginning, you have Acts 6, 4, Acts 12, 5, Acts 9, 11, Romans 12, 12, Ephesians 1, 16, Philippians 1, 4, Colossians 1, 9, Colossians 4, 2, Colossians 4, 12. Let's take Colossians 4, 2 and 4, 12 since they're the last two. Alright, Colossians 4, 2 says, continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. Let me tell you, all the portions of scripture that I just gave you now have one thing in common. A continuance in prayer. Praise the Lord. The church of God is supposed to continue in prayer. When Jesus Christ walked into that temple, he flogged those people who were buying and selling out and he said to them, my father's house is to be a house of prayer. Well, what he was talking about wasn't that temple because that temple is not the house of God. He said, I'll pull this down, I'll build it back in three days. And he was referring to his death and, the, and his body as the temple of God. Is that true? Are you the temple of God? That makes you a house of prayer. So guess what? One of your most primal duties as a Christian is prayer. Continue in prayer. Listen, Bible study is important. But guess what? In all of scripture, you don't have a place where the Bible says, continue studying without season. Is that true? But you have prayer without season. Prayer must be really important. This is what I'm saying. Prayer. It says continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. So what does it mean by watching the same? Watch in prayer with thanksgiving. So you're not just praying, you're praying with thanksgiving. Verse 12. He says, Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ, salutes you, always laboring fervently for you in prayers. That you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. Laboring fervently. So, this is how Epaphras edified the church. He labored fervently for them in prayers. Do you labor fervently for people in prayers? Many of us, we make very good gossips. Did you hear? That brother so and so and sister so and so, they're having fellowship. <laughs> then they'll start. I just knew something was going to happen when I saw them. Something's wrong. That girl, she's very shady. I think pastor should pray for her. You are very good at being a spiritual detective. You know who is doing what and when. But did you take out time to pray? First Corinthians chapter 13. Let me show you something. From verse 1. I want to show you something. I can't remember the verse, so we'll just read through it. Start from verse 3. He says, And though I bestow all my goods to the... Um, to feed the poor, and though I give my body to born and have no charity, it profits me not in the next verse. It says, uh, switch to ESV, so we have love instead of charity. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant. Next verse. It says, it is not rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. Next verse. It says, it does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love does not rejoice at wrongdoing. Some people, you ah, they caught them. <laughs> I knew they would catch them. And they've been doing it since it's their time. It's good for them. 
That's where your joy is. That's where your joy is. And you say you are walking in love. You are not walking in love. When you hear that a believer was caught in wrong, your first attitude should be to pray for that person. Because the problem is you don't realize that it could have been you. And another thing is you don't realize that it can go worse than it has gone already. Spend time praying for that person. And not just when people are in wrong. Pray for people around you. You don't truly love people you don't pray for. I hope you know. This world is too difficult for people not to survive prayer. So pray for people around you. You don't truly love the people you don't pray for. Some of us, we are excellent mentors. We mentor everybody in the world. But you don't pray for the people you mentor. How are you mentoring them? How? Pray for those around you. Part of my job as my pastor, as your pastor is to labor over you in prayer. And from time to time, I will call you and I will say, I was praying. And while I was praying, God told me this about you. Is it true? Tell me what's happening with you. Because that's how it's meant to be. So do you labor over the next person in prayer? When was the last time you just remembered somebody from church and like, oh, it's, it's been a while, let me just pray for this guy. It won't take you 30 minutes. Spend time praying for him. Or her. Praise the Lord. Alright. Um, how um, do we edify and how else are we edified? Spiritual songs. Spiritual songs. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 19. Let me show you something. Actually start from verse 18. He says, do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Go back a little bit, please. He says, but be filled with the Spirit in um, the original translation, like the original manuscript, so that's the original Greek that was written. This statement, but be filled with the Spirit, is actually but remain filled or be being filled. So it's not referring to something that you do once and stop. It's referring to something that you do consistently. And when he says be filled, Okay, when he says be filled with the Spirit, he's referring to, he's not referring to, um, don't have the mentality of a cup that is half full, then is now full later. But rather, he's talking about be filled with the influence of the Spirit. Do you understand what I'm saying? So there's the Holy Ghost in you, let his influence be strong on you. That's what this means. Alright, so um, can I think you would describe it like this? Uh, you have a cup that is full of water, then you dip that cup full of water inside a bucket of water. Do you understand? So, it's full of water on the inside, but water is not influencing it on the outside. So, when you dip it inside the, bu- inside the bucket of water, that influence is now on the outside too. So, when he says, be filled with the Spirit, he's talking about how you allow the Holy Ghost on your inside to influence you on the outside. Some pastors say this way, you take from within you and you put upon you. Alright? Great. And so, he puts a semicolon. And then he now says, next verse, speaking to yourself, so this is how to be filled with the Spirit. This is how to remain filled with the Spirit. Speaking to yourselves in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, 
how do you how what do you mean by spiritual songs he says singing and making melody in your heart to the lord so what is a spiritual song a spiritual song is simply a melody in your heart to the lord praise the lord praise the lord sometimes you're praying in other tongues and you just burst into a song that's important other times it's not a full song it's just a tune do i have a witness it's just a tune it's just there in your heart stay on it you're you're keeping yourself filled with the spirit it's just the tune stay on it are you listening to what i'm saying that's how you grow that's how you grow other people so you people gather in your house you're having fellowship all of you are praying everybody's praying in other tongues and then you you get a tune and you just lead everybody in that tune everybody's singing everybody's remaining filled with the spirit finally how do we edify and how are we edified by the laying on of hands by the laying on of hands first timothy chapter 5 verse 22 Write this down. We'll, we'll look at a few of them. First Timothy five twenty two, Acts chapter eight verse fourteen to seventeen, Acts eight fourteen to seventeen, Acts nineteen six, Acts nineteen six, Acts nine seventeen to nineteen, Acts nine seventeen to nineteen. And Acts 28, 8 to 9. So we are going to look at 1 Timothy 5, 22 and Acts 28, 8 to 9 because they're the first and the last. Alright, so 1 first, first Timothy 5, 22. He says, lay hands, this is Paul talking to Timothy. He says, lay hands suddenly on no man, neither be partaker of other men's sins, keep thyself pure. What Paul is instigating, or he is insinuating rather, is that the laying on of hands is a spiritual operation. Do you understand? And by laying on of hands, it is possible to partake in another person's spiritual reality. Praise the Lord. So, in the same First Timothy, he says, "Do not First Timothy or Second Timothy." He says, "Do not neglect the gift of God that is on you, that is in you, by the laying on of hands." So there was a gift that was transferred into you because hands were laid on you. Laying on of hands is a spiritual operation. Praise the Lord. All right, let's look at Acts 19.6. Acts 19.6. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Ghost came on them. And they spake with tongues and prophesied. So you see that. Paul laid hands on them. The Holy Ghost came on them. Praise the Lord. So you see, laying on of hands is a spiritual operation. Some people, some people are so stubborn. You're in a Holy Ghost meeting. You're laying hands on people and they just stand there like. Pastor wants to lay hands on you and what is in their mind is, why is everybody falling? Say, Me, I will not fall. You've missed the point. Because the laying on of hands is not for the falling. You see? It's, it's for, it's a spiritual oppression. Do you understand? It's to help you partake in a spiritual reality. So I lay hands on you and there's a gift. I lay hands on you and there's a grace communicated. I told you the word grace means any good gift from God. Alright? There's a grace communicated. Listen to me. Don't shortchange yourself. 
Listen, in the design of God for your life as a Christian, laying on of hands plays a very important role. You may not understand it, but it is true. God did not design for your spiritual growth to be solely by the things you hear and the things that happen around you. Some of it comes by the laying on of hands. Praise the Lord. Acts 9, 17 to 19. Acts 9, 17 to 19. And Ananias went his way, entered into the house, and putting his hands on him, said, um, said, Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus, that appeared unto thee in the way as thou camest, has sent me, and that, that thou mightest receive thy sight, and be filled with the Holy Ghost. Next verse. And immediately there fell, fell from his eyes, as it had been skills, and he received the sight, and arose, and was baptized. Next verse. And it says, and when he had received meat, he was strengthened, and then was Saul certain days with the disciples which were at Damascus. So what Ananias did when he walked into the house where Saul was, was to lay hands on him and say to him, God has sent me for you to receive your sight. And he laid hands on him and prayed for him, and he received the sight. Same thing happened in Acts chapter 3. Peter, James and, uh, Peter and John were walking by the temple. They saw this guy who was lame from birth. Peter said to him, look on us. He says, silver or gold have we not, but um, what we have, we give unto you. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And the Bible says, Peter stretched forth his hand and took him by the hand and pulled him up. Listen, the laying on of hands is a spirit, can be a spiritual operation. I listen to what I'm saying. So as a Christian, you ought to be conscious about that too. You ought to be conscious about it. For example, alright, he had pains in one part of his body. Other believers gathered around him and laid hands on him. We prayed the pains, man. Because laying on of hands is a spiritual operation. Acts 28, 8-9. Finally. Acts 28, 8-9. And it came to pass that the father of Publius lay sick of a fever and of a bloody flux. To him, Paul, to whom Paul entered in and prayed and laid hands on him and healed him. Paul could have just stood beside him and prayed, right? But the Bible, and this is the second time you've seen Paul do this. Paul laid hands on him and healed him. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So laying on of hands is one of the things we do to edify and be edified. Praise the Lord. Notice that I didn't mention anything about drama or comedy. Because those things don't have a place here. Listen, I don't deny that it is possible to share the message of the gospel in a drama. I have seen people who got converted because they watched Case for Christ. So I don't deny that. You have people out there, great evangelists, doing great works in making movies for people to see that tell the story of the gospel. Do you get that? But that's not what we do in church. You see? That's not what we do in church. We don't come to church for that purpose. Praise the Lord. We don't come to church to save sinners. Are you hearing me? That's the reason why I probably never make an altar call in church. 
maybe we have an outside program and people we don't know come for the program. But you see, when we are in church, we are not here to save sinners. The assumption in church is that this is a called out assembly for Christ. Do you understand what I'm saying? Which means there's no sinner in that assembly. So that's not why we come to church. We don't come to church for comedy. Praise the Lord. We don't come to church to do comedy. You now invite comedians to go and make us laugh. Why? Why? You've got joy in the Holy Ghost. So why, why, why are you calling the comedians to make you laugh? Makes no sense. Makes absolutely no sense. You have a program. After I think on Wednesday I said this. I went for a program. It says a healing meeting. And then they said before the healing meeting, like in the middle of the healing meeting, there's a drama. To do what? So as people are watching the drama, they are healed. Where did you learn that in scripture? That so Paul and Peter they gathered a group of people. And then they paid Bartholomew <laughs> and somebody else to just do small drama so that these people will be healed. There's a reason we gather in church. Are you listening to what I'm saying? It's to edify one another and to be edified. It's to keep the unity of the faith. Praise the Lord. This tells you that when we come to church, we're here for business. We mean business. Oh, we mean business. Listen, testimony time is very, very important. Very important. But see, we can keep it away when we know we have other things to do. Because the only reason why some people like testimony time is because they like gist. So if you say, uh, we want striking testimony. So somebody comes out and says, I want to thank God for the salvation of my soul. They're like, shift. Next. Because they want to hear somebody say, so I was driving down Third Mainland Bridge, then the bridge opened. Guys, I kid you not. The bridge literally opened. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I hope you've been blessed. 